With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. And wow, between basketball and then football signing day, there is a lot to talk about this week, Brett. And I think it's all positive stuff, at least. I like positive stuff. Yeah. Makes for for a more fun conversation. Let's be real. It it certainly does. And we're going to get to the football signing day stuff in a bit, obviously, pretty much all. But I think there was a new commit. That came out on signing day on Wednesday the 1st. But for the most part, we knew who Arizona was going to ink, and they did, which is great. Of course, Arizona added to their coaching staff. We'll talk about that. We're also going to have a great guest to kind of talk about Arizona basketball, men's basketball's, I guess, bracket prospects. See where they're looking because, obviously, this now that's February, we start thinking about March. Brett, along those lines, though, Arizona men's basketball, coming off the big sweep of this L.A. schools at home, is like, okay, they seem to maybe have figured something out. You know, they won a couple of different ways. They won with the offense against USC. They won the slugfest against UCLA. That was nice. Now, could they bring it to the road where they hadn't had a road sweep this season? And yeah, they did <laughs> in, in spectacular fashion. Like Arizona, once again, looked like Arizona. Now, the Washington State game final was 63-58, but Arizona was in control of that game. And then Washington, 95-72. That's Arizona basketball. Yeah, it was, uh, and 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 also let's talk about how Kirk Carissa got off the schneid with his shooting slump. Just and, a little bit, you know. And again, I'm gonna rub it in the noses of all the they should stop shooting threes thing that I harped on the last two weeks. <laughs> no, but it's you know it's 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 hard to win on the road in general. Pullman, you know, Washington State is a better team than their record shows. And they Pullman, beat Arizona at McHale Center. Yeah, and and they're and going to Pullman, you know, you're flying. Uh, probably to Spokane and then driving for an hour and it's going to be cold AF and then Washington, that's, you know, you get, you gotta, you're going to go in and face a, a tough two, three. That's an adjustment um, that like in the first half, Arizona didn't pull away, but Oh boy. in that second half, what was it? 57 points in a 20 minute half. My, my Unreal. Um, you know, it, and that's a, that's a hard arena to play at against a, you know, a two, three zone isn't a gimmick, but you just don't see it well executed all the time. So it's a really positive thing to see because, 
that you can see how well coached they are and how skilled their bigs are. And then the the the, the big thing I take away, uh, I, I saw some things where people were looking at like midseason of like Pac-12 play awards. Uh, you know, before the season started, I said Arizona needs Azulis Tabellas to be clearly the best player on the team to reach their ceiling, and that means like potential Pac-12 Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. And he is, you know, so far through the Pac-12 play, I think he's got to be the favorite, right? And he and he showed that against both Washington and Washington State with well, if, you know double doubles in both. If he's not the favorite, he's certainly among the top two or three chances, especially if Arizona can win the Pac-12, which all of a sudden now is a real thing again. They have a chance to, you know, win the conference once again. And yeah, I want to take a lot out of this. And it's like, it's not just, I wasn't before the LA sweep, I wasn't, you know, down on U of A because of just the Oregon game. You know, it was because of what happened before that game, how they just hadn't looked good. Well, now this is four straight games, and especially the most recent two, where Arizona has looked more like Arizona. And you mentioned Kirk Creese and the three pointers. And, you know, he made five against Washington State, he made um, six against Washington. If he's shooting like that, and he's streaky, but if he's shooting like that, Arizona's almost unbeatable. Because this team has arguably the best low post game, like duo in college basketball with Tubelis and Umar Balo, who looked more like Umar Balo again, had 21 and 12 against Washington. We didn't even talk about him yet. But if you're getting 18 points from Kirk Creases, six of 11 threes, making open shots, how do you defend them? Right? Because if you sag off of the three point shooters and they bring like Courtney Ramey made four sh- three pointers in that game too. <laughs> like him and uh, Kirk Creese combined to shoot 10 of 21 from threes. And they were 10 of 20. All they each took were three pointers. Creese and Ramey. That's all they did. They shot three pointers and they made, you know, nearly half of them. If Arizona shoots like that, they're not getting beat. Uh, they're just not. So is that going to be something they can rely on every single game? No, they're not that good at three point shooting. I don't think that, Kirk Carissa just magically discovered his three-point shooting stroke and he's going to shoot 45% the rest of the way. But if Arizona has that in them, then yeah, they're going to win a lot of games. They're going to be tough to beat no matter how their defense plays. Yeah, and I, th- I, th- I think your point is well taken and it goes back to what we talk about where it's three-point shooting looks a lot better when you're taking good shots and not taking bad ones, right? But let's... It looks a lot better when they go in. Well, yeah, but if you're taking good shots, you know, Tommy Lloyd, I think, is a believer of of Kirk Carissa being a better shooter than his percentages have shown when he's shoot, taking good ones. And I think that was proven this this last weekend. But also, like, you know, let's let's just not gloss past even in the high scoring game, how how good Arizona has gotten defensively. I think in Kempom, it's like they went from what the 80s to like top 30 in effective defense yeah. in like a, a span of two or three weeks. That's not something you normally see. Right. Um, and the teams that are that are truly elite are are both uh, you know in the top twenty five in both offense and defense, and I, I think that I think what we've seen is repeatable. Do you, do you think? So? And that's what I'm wondering about the defense because we've seen really good defensive Arizona teams, especially when Sean Miller was the coach, and you could tell just watching them. There's great defenders on those teams. You know, when you have a Rondé Hollis Jefferson, you have a Nick Johnson, you have a Tarzuski, you know, you have just guys who are going to lock T.J. McConnell, guys who can lock opponents down. Last year's team. You had a Coloco, you had a Ben Matherin, you had a Dalen Terry, and you felt like, yeah, they could play pretty good defense too. This team doesn't really have, other than Courtney Ramey, doesn't have anyone who made the reputation of being a good defender, like an upper echelon defender. Pella is okay, right? Boswell has kind of shown something, and Cedric Henderson too, but do you think it is repeatable for this team? Because you could look at, say, opponents, Washington's not a great offense, Washington State's not a great offense, UCLA's offense is mostly garbage, really, outside of a couple of great players. Like, is this a real turnaround in that defense or is it kind of need to be opponent adjusted? So 
I'll answer that in a couple of ways. I don't think Arizona has just the stopper that they've had in years past. I just don't think anybody has that physical ability. Courtney Ramey's maybe the closest, right? But I think they play good team defense. And I think Umar Balo uh, and Azulis Tabellas and the whole team in general, like, Let's 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 look at an example of why I think they're so well coached on defense. They are incredibly effective when they're contesting a shot at the hoop of going straight up and not getting called for a foul. That is repeatable and that is purely great coaching and clearly they've done a lot of training on that. Yeah. That lowers the shooting percentage of 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 anybody that's getting close to the basket, whether it shows up as it's not gonna show up as a block shot most of the time but it's going gonna, it's gonna to result in misses and not free throws, right? Okay. That stuff is repeatable. You know, play, you know, playing good rotational defense is repeatable. The strategies, they've been doing a lot of switching on the perimeter because, you know, there's not one great stopper. All right, well, if everybody's kind of okay, you can switch on, on ball handoffs and screens, and that helps limit, you know, a, a, a good screen being set and, and penetration, right? It makes the, the offense have to adjust to that. So there's there's aspects of it that is repeatable. I still have concerns that, you know, one just stud penetration uh, perimeter player could abuse this defense. But that's where the you know the good the good shot blockers in the back at the back end with Balo helps. Uh, I think I think Pell Larson is critical in this in terms of being repeatable. I think he's got his confidence back. You yeah, know? Coming up the um, bench has been that that suits him. It seems like that sixth so man role. I feel much better. I'll put it this way. I feel much better about this team defensively today than I did uh, to start the season. Yeah. And maybe you could look at it and say, Pella Larson coming off the bench has helped with the defense. Kylan Boswell has been a good defender and he's kind of, he's almost raising this team's ceiling just a little bit too, or even their floor because like there's a competent quality backup guard that they have that maybe they didn't have going into this season. So yeah, like it's a, it's a good stretch for Arizona at the Washington schools. And of course they get to have the Oregon schools come to town. Now, Oregon on Thursday, Oregon state on Saturday. And Brett, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but first let's take a break. And we come back. We're going to talk to Brian Bennett of the athletic. He does their brackets, covers all their brackets because we're curious about how Arizona is looking, especially with as good as things have been. So let's take a break and talk to Brian afterwards. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0, and we are glad to be joined by Brian Bennett of The Athletic. Covers college basketball, but not say college basketball that, you know, beat writer all the teams, but he's a bracket guy. And of course, you know, the calendar has turned to February, but Arizona fans are focused on March. Brian, welcome to Wildcat Radio 2.0. 
Thanks for having me. The best thing about February is it's almost March, right? Yeah, right. And that's kind of a double-edged sword for Arizona fans because you get so excited about March. And other than one year, you know, more than you know, 20 years ago, it's always dis- it's in disappointment. But right now, Arizona has been trending towards, I've seen like a two seed. Some people see them as a one seed. A few weeks ago, that didn't seem possible. But now they're looking pretty good. Just as we sit, you know, February 1st, people might listen to this February 2nd, February 3rd, whenever. But how are the Wildcats looking or how are they trending in your eyes? Yeah, trending well. Obviously, uh, the last several, I guess, handful of games, they've played a lot better defense. I think that had been kind of their their one Achilles heel. And, you know, obviously the win over UCLA was a big one. And, you know, they they have a really, really nice resume. Not only are they seven and two in quad one, but they have some of the best wins, I think, you know, in the country, having, you know, beaten Indiana, having beaten Creighton. You know, having beaten UCLA, having beaten Tennessee. So it's a, you know, it's a really, really strong resume. Not only do they have the quad one wins, but they have the high-end quad one wins that the selection committee really looks at. So, you know, going into tonight, and as we talk here, Tennessee's struggling a bit at, with, you know, at Florida, uh, which would be good news for Arizona, even though they beat Tennessee. So right now I have them as, as, as my top number two seed. And, uh, you know, I think it could change. I think, and I think the committee could look at it differently. They could be a one seed. And for them, I think the most important thing is, is to get that West region and get get that Las Vegas region would be huge for them. Yeah. So I think you maybe just stole where I wanted to go as a as a as a Homer Arizona fan. I try to be unbiased, but I look at all these bracketologies and I see everybody, you know, ranking Arizona, you know, ranking Arizona fairly highly and seeding them highly in their bracketology, but they'll be behind teams like you know UCLA or Tennessee or some other schools that there's not as many common opponents. And I guess I, I, I think you maybe hit on this, but I, I look at somebody like Tennessee or I look at somebody that are like Houston's and I, I struggle to see who has a better, you know, resume in terms of quality wins. And, and there's plenty of quality. There's plenty of uh, questionable losses in college basketball. So I guess who ha- in your perspective as an unbiased person, one, um, who has a better resume than Arizona right now to get a one seed? And it, are the unexplained losses just a part of uh, modern college basketball is my second question. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think there's two teams out, right out, out there right now you could say for sure have a better resume than Arizona. Not, you know, a, a ton better, but I do think better. Purdue, first of all, only, one, only lost one game to a Rutgers team that's probably in that five-seed range, lost it basically on a basket at the buzzer. Uh, a team that, you know, has just been great all year long and has the National Player of the Year and you know, has, I think, the second most quad one wins in the country. Uh, Purdue is a pretty easy choice for the number one overall seed. There's just nothing you can knock them for. And then, then I think Alabama, uh, with the great schedule they've played, they won at Houston. Uh, you know, they've, they've had some some big, big wins. Didn't look great this past weekend against, uh, you know, against Oklahoma, but but they've, they've done enough there that I think they're still on that one line no matter what. And then you know, Kansas, they, they had a short little three-game losing streak there, but they have nine quad one wins, which is more than anybody in the country. That's two more than Arizona has. I think Kansas is right there uh, on the one-seed line. But you're right. Other than that, I mean, Houston is is a really, really good team, but they haven't played nearly the schedule that Arizona has played. And uh, it's I think it's really going to come down to what this committee values, and every committee is different. But they look at a lot of things. If you were just looking at body of work, I think Arizona would be right there on the one seed. But if you look at the metrics, which are on the team sheets, and some committees use those a little bit more than others, 
Arizona's metrics are just not quite good enough for a one seed. You know, 12 at Kempom, 10 in the net, 13 in BPI, 9 in Sagarin, uh, then the 5 in KPI and 4 strength of record, which are a little bit more results-oriented. But just look at that, their efficiency metrics, which the committee does look at. They look more like a two seed. So, you know, and I think a lot of that is, you know, those bad losses they had, which can be forgiven to a certain extent, but, you know, losing to Washington State at home, it's only a Q2 loss now, but that's that's a lot worse than anything Alabama or Purdue or Kansas has done. Anything, well, it's about part of what something Tennessee has done and, and probably worse than anything Houston has done other than the Temple loss, so. I can get behind that because just the eye test, right? Arizona was a one seed last season, and it was pretty obvious why they were a one seed. Granted, they didn't get past the Sweet 16, but you could see that with them. They were that good. I don't look at this Arizona team this season and say that's one of the top four teams in college basketball. I mean, I know they're ranked fifth right now, but, you know, like how does this team stack up? Because, yeah, there's some of the metrics you're talking about. They're not doing poorly. They're better than average, sure, but they're not elite at these things. Like, granted, there is still time. There's chance, you know, the Oregon series this week and they get UCLA and USC to finish the regular season to get, you know, bolster that resume. But how does this specific Arizona Wildcats team look compared to maybe what we saw last season or other years where they were competing for a one seed? Yeah, I, I can't go back super far, but uh, sure. it's been a while since they were in a contention. But, you know, last year, I think they were they were pretty dominant, you know, you know, kind of tore through the Pac-12, were really good all year long. I think the offense was was more powerful. Uh, than this year's offense. So this year's offense is really good. Again, it's always going to be, I think, under Tommy Lloyd. That's going to be a calling card. But, uh, you know, I think this is a really good team. I mean, I just I look at uh, the, the top two seed lines, and you've got, as we mentioned, Purdue, Alabama, Kansas, Tennessee, Houston, Arizona, Texas, UCLA. I think all eight of those teams are pretty, pretty close. And, you know, other than Purdue, I think being a pretty clear number one, I think once you get past that, you could probably toss them on a hat, pick one out. You know, I think UCLA is maybe falling off just a tad, but you know, I think I, I was trying to really, I was struggling with this this week. You know, who's my other, who are my other four one seeds? And it's, is it Tennessee? Is it Kansas? Is it Houston? Is it Arizona? Uh, you know, they're all right there. So I, I think for Arizona, you know, if they just keep winning, um, you know, if they end up being the Pac-12 champs, they win the tournament, they have a good chance of being a one seed, especially. I think the committee likes it sometimes when they can make it geographically sound. Making Arizona the one seed out west makes a lot of sense, and it keeps keeps teams close. So uh, I, I think they're right there. There's no dominant team this year except maybe Purdue. So I think I think Arizona is as good as as any team in the country. So it sounds like what you're saying. I think it's kind of goes off of what Brett was talking about earlier too. There's a lot of parity. You know, there's not. Dom, there's not a big gap between the very best team and the eighth best team. And I don't know if there's a bigger gap between the eighth best team and the twelfth best team. But when you try to jumble it up, it's like Arizona's in contention, but they're not far and away better than anyone else. But obviously no one's far and away better than them. Is that is that normal to see it like this kind of jumbled up at the top like that? Uh, it just depends. I mean, there are some years that are different. There, just a couple of years ago, you might remember, I think Gonzaga and Baylor were just kind of running away with it. They were the clear one-two teams in the preseason. That way, all season, and they met in the title game, right? right. So they, they were clearly a cut above everybody. You know, last year, I think there were – probably three or four teams that seemed, you know, ahead of everybody, Kansas, everybody kind of going in the tournament three. They were good. Gonzaga, a couple other teams. This year, I just think it's a deeper field. I think there's probably, you know, 12 teams that that if you looked at and said, this team's going to win it all, I'm like, okay, 
I, I, I believe that if there, there's probably 20 teams, you could make a reasonable case for being a final four team without crazy upsets. And uh, I don't think that, I don't, I don't necessarily think that that means that there's no great teams. I just think there's a lot of really, really good teams this year. And maybe there's a great team that'll emerge, but, but Arizona is, is, is right there, you know, to me right at the top and among the six to eight best teams in the country. One to kind of, to take off on that, you know, I, when it comes to bracketology and seeding, you know, Arizona fans maybe pay more attention than the national media does or the selection committee does in, you know, late January, early February. But there's three straight games now where if you believe like the Ken Palm uh, adjusted offense and adjusted defense, Arizona went from in the 80s to like, you know, around 30. Mm-hmm. And they maybe have flipped a switch there. If that is sustained, how much does that differentiate Arizona in those kind of advanced metrics beyond just the win-loss category? Yeah, I think that helps a lot. I think we've seen the committee before or teams maybe even had good metrics. An example to me last year was Tennessee last year was, once again, a really, really good defensive team, not a very good offensive team. And I think the the committee penalized them for that because they had a resume of a two-seed. Absolutely. Uh, but the, com- the committee gave them a three seed. And I think they had some doubts about, you know, if they had enough offense to really be good in the tournament. And of course, they didn't go very far. Uh, but I think, you know, I think they look at those things, your, your offensive defensive met- metrics. And and obviously, if the better defense you play, Arizona's always going to be good offense. It's going to help your overall efficiency metrics, which are going to help your overall metrics. So I think the way they've been playing, starting really with that UCLA game and, and you know, and rolling in the last couple of games. If they can keep that kind of defensive effort, yeah, that's going to help their efficiency numbers. I think it's going to help them win a lot of games, and I think you know they're going to keep rising. And and, and let's also remember that none of this stuff happens in a vacuum. Fans forget that sometimes they think, oh, my, my team has moved down, other teams moved up, but it's it's not really that. It's what's everybody else doing. And other teams are in conference play now. And they're going to lose games and they're going to bow out of their conference tournaments early. That things are going to happen. So if you keep winning, you're going to move up. So naturally, people are going to want, or Arizona fans are going to want to see Arizona out west. And you mentioned how they have a real good shot at getting that one seed. I think the most recent one I saw from you, I think, had Houston as the one, but Arizona as the two. Is it kind of like a three-team race for that number one seed? Obviously, things can change if teams start falling off a cliff and losing. But is it Arizona, Houston, UCLA, and maybe Gonzaga as the options for the western number one seed for those top couple spots? Or could you see someone else sneaking in and maybe stealing one of those westerns, like that top seed? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I think it, for right now, I think it's a six-team race for the one-seed line. I, I think it's pretty clear. Purdue, Alabama, Tennessee, Kansas, Arizona, Houston are the clear front runners right now for the number one seed. So then it becomes a matter of, you know, who gets seeded out west. And I, I think it's pretty clear that whoever comes out of the Pac-12, as long as as long as they're in, you know, pretty good shape, is probably going to get that two-seed out west at, at worst. So I think, you know, being – being like the number, I have them as the number one two seed going in uh, to tonight, uh, which is great. I mean, because because they, they end up, it's not that much different really than being right. one seed. I got them in Kansas's region, and you know, in Arizona, Kansas Elite Eight would be incredible. But they get to play in Vegas, and they would be full of Arizona fans. Uh, you know, so you know, even if they're the number two seed, but they get to stay out out west, I think that's just as good. You know, the only really issue I think between like the first number one and the, you know, the last number four, I'm uh, sorry, the last number one is maybe you get to avoid the, the, the overall number one or overall, overall number two seed. But the thing is you got to win a bunch of games. You don't know if the other one seed's getting there. 
half the time they don't. So, uh, you know, and you can, you can win coming out of anywhere, but you know, if you can, if you can go to Vegas, I think no matter what your seat is, uh, I think that's just a huge, huge advantage for Arizona, the fan base they're going to bring there. Well, I think you just answered the question I wanted to ask you philosophically for Arizona. Is it better to be the two seed in the West or the one seed in any other bracket? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to look at that. I mean, does, does having a lot of your fans out West mean a whole lot? Like that we've seen lots of examples of teams basically playing in their backyard in a regional final lose. I think there's some examples of Arizona being out West. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. There are. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't want to bring up the old bad memories, but I think we all know what I'm talking about there. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to have to beat some really, really good teams. And especially in a a sweet 16 elite eight situation, it's, it's going to come down to you're going to have to play great and, and you're going to have to beat a really, really good team. And the fan support helps, uh, sure. And you're not having to travel too much helps, especially the Western teams. You don't want to be out of East. I don't think, you know, your body clock gets all messed up, that sort of thing. But for the most part, it's great if you can stay home. It's great for your fans. But I think at the end of the day, you got to you got to play your best basketball. Certainly. Yeah. Even as a one seed doesn't guarantee you anything. It's supposed to be an easier road. But even with a parody across college basketball, one seeds don't have as simple a <laughs> row. We've seen some challenges yeah. there. And of course, Arizona was a one seed last year. It didn't work out for them too well. As we let you go here, as we wrap up here, I guess maybe the big picture where Arizona stands right now, February 1st, they got some big games left. Like, what do you see, I guess, like in terms of what they need to do to get that one seed? Or is like, is it just way more perilous to get that one seed? Because if they slip up one time, if they lose to UCLA to end the season, if they lose to Oregon or something, is that kind of knock them off and probably for good? Or do they kind of have that road where it's like, hey, because they're not in a vacuum. Other programs, other teams are losing games too, where Arizona just needs to handle their business the best they can. And I guess let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that's well said. And I think, again, as we mentioned, nothing happens in a vacuum. So it doesn't matter what other teams are doing. It's hard for me to see Purdue fall off that one line unless they just collapse. I do think the Big 12 champion deserves a one seed, assuming they don't take on a bunch of losses. Or that league is just incredible. If you're not watching the Big 12 games like tonight, please do, because it is something else. And I think Arizona fans are hoping Arizona joins the Big 12. Yeah. Soon I mean, like that's I see that. So, yeah. So then, you know, you've got Alabama, you got Tennessee, and you got so you got a lot of competition. The one thing that's going to hurt Arizona is just the Pac-12 does not offer a lot of opportunities for big wins. You know, they're, they're going to play, obviously, end of the year at UCLA and at USC. Um, and those would be two big road wins that they could get. They would be huge. But you look at the rest of the schedule and it's, you know, what does beating Oregon State or Cal or Stanford or Colorado, what does that do for you? Not a whole lot. Uh, it's not going to do much to bolster your resume. So, yeah, you really need to avoid losing any of those games. Winning them is not going to help you that much, uh, especially when other teams are if you play in the Big 12, you're, you're playing a quad one game every single night. Uh, whereas, you know, Arizona's got, what, maybe two left, two or three left in the regular season. So, yeah, they're, they're going to have to probably, you know, win just about every game the rest of the way uh, to be in contention for that one seed, as tough as that sounds. Got to love that opportunity for bad losses, but not a lot of opportunity for big wins. But that's that's <laughs> Arizona's lot. And as long as they win their games, they'll be okay. Well, Brian Bennett, you can find him on Twitter at GBrianBennett does, according to his bio, we'll just go straight from there, senior editor and purveyor of fine artisanal brackets for the athletic college basketball. I won't read the second line there because that's for you, but really nice guy. We appreciate your time here. And yeah, I mean, we'll catch up with you down there when the brackets are, fin- are finalized and kind of see what your take is on what the selection committee did. 
would love to do it. My favorite time of year. Thanks for having me. So that's Brian Bennett. And Brett, that's kind of the trouble that Arizona has now, especially with the remaining schedule, is that there may not be really any big wins, save for UCLA, but there are a lot of opportunity for bad losses. So if you're Arizona, I guess all you can do is win all the games in front of you, no matter what they do for your seeding chances. Yeah, and I think that that starts off right away with another game in the Vengeance Tour, right, Adam? Like, you know, Arizona got embarrassed by Oregon, who's probably better talent-wise than what their record shows, kind of like Washington State. Um, They're kind of an enigma, uh, but it's a, you know, February Dana Altman is the best Dana Altman, and their talent level is really high. So, you know, there's a game to come in on Thursday, Uh, it'll be a nice one to hopefully have a vengeance game. And like you said, win the games in front of you. And then hopefully you close the season out against the LA schools, make your resume as good as possible and head into the PAC 12 tournament. Yeah. And then kind of Brian was speaking to one of the tough things for Arizona too, is that the PAC 12 doesn't offer a lot of great wins, right? It's kind of like you're damned if you do damned, if you don't like, yeah, if you beat Oregon, it's a nice win for Arizona, but it doesn't really do much to move the needle in terms of like, their seeding potential and same thing with Oregon State or Cal or Stanford or Utah or Colorado or even ASU now where he probably uses C. Like they might have one big game left on their schedule in terms of what seeding could do. And that's UCLA on the road, the last game of the regular season. And, you know, I I guess that's just kind of the lot that Arizona has to deal with, right? Like you can only beat those teams. And what's kind of trickier, what makes it tough is like you mentioned Oregon's an enigma. They throttled Arizona a few weeks ago. Sure did. You know, um, Washington State, who Arizona just beat, beat Arizona in Tucson. Utah kicked the crap out of Arizona earlier in the season. And when there's not a lot of big games on Arizona's schedule, Arizona's a big game on pretty much everyone else's schedule. And that's something that they have to – it's a dynamic they generally have to deal with every year. When Arizona's across your chest, you're going to get opponent's best shot. But when you are their chance to make a statement, and they're not a chance for you to do the same – it can be tough to get up for them, and you can get caught off guard, like by Oregon maybe a couple of weeks ago when it was a blowout. Well, I, I think that's where the you know play the vengeance card when it's appropriate to keep those you know eighteen nineteen year olds up for those games, and when the you know the opponents are are having that energy, um, you know it's it, it kind of goes back to the the consistency is mental toughness argument I bring up a lot of the time. And I think that's yeah. what we're going to see in the next couple of weeks. Like Arizona should beat Oregon. I think the line came out and there was like, what, eight, eight and a half in favor of Arizona. But like, other than like the Arizona we saw last week, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The Arizona we saw Which you know, one two weeks up? before that. I mean, that's, that's what's so challenging about this. It maybe speaks to the parody. Like Oregon is a better team than their record. We think, right. When the last time we saw them, when we watched them, they certainly were. So like, it is. I mean, Oregon's a good team. It's a good program. Dana Altman's always going to have them ready to play in Tucson. Arizona never has it easy with Oregon, and yet they're an eight and a half point favorite going into this game, which speaks to maybe how like how bad of a loss this would be if Arizona was to lose it. Yeah, but I, you know, to kind of pair together the parity argument and the there's not that many resume builders on this. Okay, beat the teams in front of you and let parity do its damage to the other schools, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, so that's where I, you know, it goes back to you can only beat the teams in front of you. Oregon is a good enough team you should not take for granted at even in Tucson, right? Well, especially having lost to them just a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Utah, you should be able to come back and be, you know, I think I tweeted during that game, like I look forward to Arizona smoking them in in Tucson by 30, which may not happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if they win comfortably, right? Um, You know, if, if, 
it, it even Oregon State is a sneaky, challenging young team. Like there's some talent on that team that's not there yet, but like if you don't show up, they will they will make that game a challenge, right? Yeah. But if if you beat everyone in front of you, you know. Well, if Arizona never loses another game this season, things will be fine. If I mean, if they lose one game against USC or UCLA the rest of the regular season, I feel real good about them being a one seed because I think parity will play out on the other teams and they will, you know, if, if the last, you know, month has taught us anything, it's that parity is the norm in modern college basketball. People need to come to grips with that. Right. Yeah. And that is a tough thing. Even Brian mentioned it, how nobody plays in a vacuum. Right. I mean, certain teams suck, but no one plays in a vacuum in so much that, yeah, Arizona loses games and everybody's like, Oh, the sky is falling. And I was part of that too. A few weeks ago, they were playing bad basketball, but other teams have the same issues. You know, does that mean anything other than like that Arizona's going to be fine come tournament time? No, it doesn't mean anything like that. But it means that college basketball is such where you're going to lose some games, probably lose some games that you don't think you should have lost. As long as you win enough games. And of course, as we all know, if you win enough games in March, things are okay. So for Arizona, yeah, Oregon, Oregon State, to me, it's obviously you you don't want to lose at home. You can't lose at home again this season. You already lost one game at McHale Center. That was inexcusable. There's no one left on your schedule at that's coming to Tucson that should beat you or should give you a really, really good game and good test if you're playing well, right? So if Arizona comes yeah. out, just takes care of business, they win these two games. But more than the games themselves and more than what it could or could not do for their resume, I just want to see them keep playing well. You know, it's all been like, okay, since the last time they played Oregon, they showed a little bit against USC, a little bit more against UCLA, a little bit more against Washington State, and they showed everything against Washington. Is that the new Arizona? Is that the new trend? And I'm not saying that, you know, if they play an ugly game or whatever, that they're falling apart again. No. But it's nice to see if they flip the switch. If Pella Larson off the bench, you know, Cedric Henderson in the starting lineup is the thing. Colin Boswell getting 18 minutes a game is the thing. If Kirk Creesa has suddenly found consistency. If these are all things that are, like, true, that will, they can maintain, then Arizona's probably not going to lose a game, at least until maybe UCLA. And Arizona's going to be a one or a two seed. And they're going to be a very dangerous team come tournament time. I think that's completely right. I'm looking ahead at the schedule, and that's a dangerous thing to do. But Well, not for us. Well, but Arizona's got to be favored at least in the next seven, if not eight, right? Like, certainly up to the USC game on the road. Um, and maybe, maybe even through that game. Right. But, yeah. you know, that's not to say that there's not losable games. The thing that's working in Arizona's favor in that time period, like the road games until, until you go to LA are Cal and Stanford. But it's, it's as hard, Brian it's hard, mentioned, though, it's hard to win on the road, but it should, they should sweep that. Look at Arizona's losses this season. Would either of those teams been teams you said, well, they could give Arizona trouble going into the game. Not really. I mean, we can retcon and be like, oh, yeah, well, Utah on the road, that can be tricky, or Washington State. No, and what? Oregon, like, those are not teams that you look at the schedule and say, from what we've seen of those teams, say they should beat a good, you know, one or two seed Arizona. No. So, like, Arizona absolutely can lose to everybody. They've sure. shown they can lose to pretty much anybody, but they've also shown the ability to beat the really good teams, which is why their quad one wins. You know, why they are sitting on that one or two line because of you beat Tennessee. You beat Indiana, you beat Creighton, you beat San Diego State. Like they have some really good wins on that schedule too. So they've shown the range, good and bad. Yeah, I so I think the most inexplicable loss will remain Washington State. Yes. Um, like Utah, I think is better than we thought when they played the first time. And I think Brandon Carlson is a bad matchup for Arizona's bigs because he's a perimeter scorer. So like 
you know, a, a bad matchup can offset, a, you know, the imbalance in the overall team quality at times. But, yeah. you know, if Arizona plays an average game in the next seven games for them, if they play their game, they should win. If the defense, yeah. if the defense is what it has been in the last three, they should win every one of those games. Right. Um, so, it, and, and that's where it goes back to the, is it repeatable or not? And I think for the most part it is, but you know, that, it, it, we'll see there. We're, we're talking about teenagers two months out into the future. <laughs> that, that's true. So, yeah. So, I mean, every weekend is a big weekend, if not to, you know, make it get a big win, but to avoid suffering a bad loss as Arizona heads towards the NCAA tournament. I guess the Pac-12 tournament first, but then the NCAA tournament. You know, it's Oregon. It's Oregon State. Arizona's number five again, top five teams. So, you know, they're going to get the Ducks and the Beavers best this weekend at the McHale Center. So, Brett, let's take a break. And we come back. National Signing Day, the other one, it happened. You know, Jed Fish talked about the class. It's it's hard to keep track of all the signing days. And, you know, most of pretty much everyone that Arizona was going to get, they got that. We, we knew that ahead of time before Wednesday the 1st. They did add a couple of – there was a couple new guys there in there. One was pretty good surprise, a wide receiver. And, of course, Arizona added the coaching staff. So let's talk about it after a break. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. We're back, and it's... (sighs) Is it kind of weird to be, you know... Arizona men's basketball is top five. The women are playing great too. And we're like talking football. And I know it's signing day, but it's football in that, hey, look at what Arizona's doing, right? <laughs> like, I mean, we knew about Leviticus Sua. That was last week's show. You know, he officially signed. The big news out of signing day, which happened on February 1st, was Arizona got uh, receiver Devin Hyatt, who I guess is like a high three-star, four-star type of player. I mean, Arizona's not exactly short on receivers, but this looks like a this guy looks like a player. Well, I mean, he comes from IMG Academy in Florida, like powerhouse program, especially for like skill level players. Uh, and if you go look at his offer list, you know it's it's not exactly the, the no name schools that we were competing with a few years ago. Like you know, he's got a scholarship offer from Auburn, Alabama, a couple other uh, other a couple other big programs. So for a signing day surprise, okay, that's great. <laughs> um, Not a, but is it, I almost that's like when Dorian Singer transferred, right? He went from walk-on to transfer to USC. He was like, oh, no, I feel like receivers are going to want to play in this system. going to play with, as long as Arizona has a quarterback, and like Jaden Delora is a good quarterback, and you look at the quarterback room with Braden Dorman and Noah Fafita, you feel pretty good about what they have in the future. But like, why wouldn't you, if you're a receiver, they had three star receivers last season and a tight end who had a good number of catches, right? Like that's what you want. So, I mean, and, like, and that was with a offensive line that should be getting better in future years than it has been in last year with the great offense, right? Like, yeah, you you think? There, you know, it's there's there's a lot of there's a lot of positive trends for 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 Judge Jed Fish and staff, and you know, the, like you said, the quarterback room looks like it's set if not even overloaded in the next couple of years 
right? Um, so I, I think I even saw a quote somewhere where he was like, they pass the ball, you know, 80 something, 80% of the time, which maybe that stays, maybe it doesn't. But I would hope not. Well, I mean, if you they have got good big, running backs too, run the ball a little. Sure. Running backs can catch the ball too, Adam. <laughs> true. That's true. Um, but I'm also anticipating more leads late in games that they'll want to run the ball and milk the clock, you know. I like I like where your head's at. There you go. <laughs> um no, I you know, it's there's no way to not see this as what a nice little signing day coup for an already solid class. Um and you know, does this preclude the the USC wide receiver transfer? I don't think so. But, you know, we'll we'll see how that plays out. There's still going to be roster movement through through yeah. Through spring football, which I think also got announced today, I think it starts on what March 13th and about a month later for the spring game. So we're we're only what six weeks away at most. Um, I don't know. I I'm a basketball guy first and foremost, but I get I get most jazzed about the upside of Arizona football these days. Sometimes, Adam. <laughs> yeah, well, especially when it's good news. Grant's offseason Jed Fish, which is hard. It, it's tough to beat offseason Jed Fish. Of course, they also added the coaching staff, Dwayne Aquina, a familiar name. Um, he's going to be, I believe, a senior defensive assistant secondary coach, like an analyst. So he's not hes not the new cornerbacks coach, and yet he's going to be there. Seems like, a, I mean, I know Fish in his press conference said, quote, I believe we signed a five-star coach. You know, the guy's experienced. He knows Tucson. He's coached some really good players. It's hard to see this as anything but a value add for a coaching staff that you know, lost a pretty good coordinator, a pretty good coach in Dwayne Walker. But this is a start to replacing him and just bolstering what Arizona has. I mean, Dwayne Aquino would have been a great, you know, replacement for Dwayne Walker as a secondary coach. The fact that he's coming in as an analyst, you know, with his pedigree as a as a recruiting powerhouse, you know, his connection to the poly community, you know, his success as just a talent developer, like it's a, there's no way to not view this as a huge coup. And if that means is that know, the second time you use coup? I mean, maybe in this segment, I think possibly. I don't know. I can't remember thirty seconds ago, Adam. It <laughs> is Adam. Fish. It it is Adam. Your name's Adam, right? <laughs> yeah. Last time I checked. <laughs> All right. I I it's I struggle to recall sometimes. You're very forgettable. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no, but like if 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 he's coming as an analyst, it's not only just a, a big addition in terms of what he brings to the program, but if that means there's also still room for another great addition to that staff. You know, consider my you know my 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 interest uh, peaked. Yeah, that works. <laughs> I didn't want to say coup again. Now you've got me self conscious. Well, if you said consider my interest cooed, that wouldn't make a lot of that wouldn't make any sense. Actually, not even a lot of it wouldn't make any. So peaked is a much better word because you know contextually it fits. So good job. Thank you. but otherwise no no other surprises on signing day arizona got the guys that had committed to them and the linebacker room looks a lot better through the portal and through traditional recruiting i was in a quarterback room the receiver room the running back room i you know they they look like a pretty like last year's team we knew in the offseason we we thought in the offseason going into spring i was like okay they've upgraded the offense right you got quarterback you got some skill position talent like let's see what they can do and they could do a lot offensively. Now they've seen a lot of defensively. Now, granted, Devin Hyatt's a receiver. But they had a lot to the linebacker room. They had some defensive linemen, the secondary and everything. And you're thinking, okay, will the defense take that same leap? Or at least a similar one and go from really bad to, I wouldn't expect great, but decent, pretty good. Because if they can, then Arizona's going to win a lot of games this season. 
Yeah, I I don't know if it's possible for Arizona's defense to make the same kind of just ridiculous leap that they went from god awful to pretty darn good offensively. But if if that offense maintains and even slightly improves, and your defense goes to average, we're talking bowl game, friend. And I'm pretty excited about it. That would be that'd be neat. In year three, <laughs> but you know, there's a lot. Like I said, there's gonna be a lot more roster movement with the portal and everything. We'll see what happens on spring ball, which does start. What do you have? Fe- or March thirteenth? I want to say. I think that's right. Yeah, big day around these we parts. We don't prep for show. Why, why would we do that? It it makes it less fresh, Adam. <laughs> when it's news to us as well, then it oh. sounds a lot more like, oh, you, are you saying? Wow, I had no idea. But yeah, March 13th, and of course, the spring games in April. I think April 15th. And I don't know, maybe we'll go down for the spring game this year. That'd be kind of fun. I was trying fun. to go down last year, and I did not make it. Things kind of happened. But it'd be kind of fun to go down to that, especially if the weather holds up and is not horrible. You I, know. Was, I was there. It was a nice time. In fact, it was hot AF. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I guess it's not the worst reason thing. I'm not here. It looked boiling out there. So yeah. I watched it on TV as all the cool people do. They watch college football spring games on the Pac-12 network. <laughs> I didn't realize the cool people even had Pac-12 network. Huh. I mean, I have Pac-12 network, so I... You're... you're- Helping my argument, not yours. <laughs> Helping some argument. I don't know which one it is. <laughs> but that's going to do it for this week's show. Uh, make sure you can find us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. That is the handle. You know, we'll do some mailbags. We'll do a mailbag next week or something. We'll see what's going on. But sure. even if without that, feel free to just tweet us with some questions or some thoughts. We can read those on the air. Of course, you can find us on iTunes and Spotify. If you're on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. We'll read that review on the show, too, good or bad. We just like to be, you know, we like your thoughts. We do. Validate, well, I do. Validate or criticize us. You know, the opposite of love isn't hate, Adam. It's indifference. And when you're not writing reviews, it feels indifferent. Dang. I'm just saying. I mean, you're not wrong, but I don't, <laughs> I don't want to put that on our listeners. Like, we appreciate them, even if they don't leave us a review. I'm trying to find new and creative ways to neg them into reviews. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, thanks again to Brian Bennett from The Athletic for joining us to talk about some Arizona basketball tournament. And, yeah, we'll see what happens with the Oregon games this weekend. I don't think there's any more football that should be happening. Maybe a defensive backs coach, finally. But whatever happens with Arizona athletics, we'll talk about it on next week's show. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.